this week on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'll just talk about how heading into the final pool games. I said, look, in all, in all honesty, last week was a hard podcast to follow and we failed. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Giddo gets a call back. Get on, Mike. Get on, Mike. And of course, more of your listener questions. I'm not calling you a flog, but that's a flog no, tweet. No, flog tweet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Fox Rugby World Cup podcast. And I am your solo host for this episode. That's right. Unfortunately, you've just got to bear with me today. Uh, well, this week, uh, depending on when you listen to it, but get around to it. It's either going to be one of the most entertaining podcasts, unlikely, or it could be perhaps used on the Calm Sleep app to put you to sleep. But <laughs> time will tell. Uh, that's right. Stephen Hoyles, he is the busiest man in Australia right now. He's uh, We've not been able to... I guess lock him in to sit down and have a chat with me about um, all things Rugby World Cup that's happened over the past week, but also what's about to happen in what is fast approaching the final pool games of this Rugby World Cup 2019 in Japan. There's plenty of action going on. So this one's, but we're, it's probably going to be a bit of a short pod, uh, I must admit. I'm going to call in um, a, fra- a favour from a friend of mine, Matt Giddo, to so you at least get someone else's voice throughout the podcast. Uh, so this one will be brief. We'll touch on quickly what happened in weeks uh, in the week gone by and also preview a little bit about Australia versus Georgia moving forward. But the most important segment, of course, is the listener engagement part. So all the tweets, we'll try and get through a lot of those. We'll get Giddy to give his opinion on uh, some of them and hopefully spray a few of you that sent through some shit tweets. So... Um, <laughs> Anyway, we'll, we'll get on with it. Uh, plenty of things happened last week. Firstly, I, I think Japan. We've got to talk about Japan. I, I mean, I, I talk about it as if there's more than just me talking about it, but it's just me. I've got to talk about Japan. I've been uh, really, really uh, impressed with the World Cup thus far. Obviously, it's from afar, uh, but all the pictures coming out of uh, Japan with um, the fantastic coverage on Fox Rugby, Fox Sports, uh, but also everything on socials that you're seeing, all the, the, the colour and the, the engagement and just how much the, the Japanese people are really getting behind it. I, I particularly love, I'm sure you've all seen him uh, throughout socials through the week, he paints his jersey on every game that he goes to and uh, the guy must have racked up some, um, some miles across all of Japan because he's been to that many games and he's become quite a bit of a... Um, a media attraction. Everyone likes to line up and get photos with him, but his name is Hiroshi Moriyama. I've just had one of my assistants. <laughs> That's right. I have assistants. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, just, just doing the shitters for me. Um, what was his name again? Hiroshi. Hiroshi Moriyama. I, mate, your mic should be turned off. <laughs> um, but I'm personally, I'm going up there next week, so I'm really looking forward to. Uh, experiencing it firsthand and, I don't know, maybe maybe I could call in and join the pod then, but you'll have to see. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway, that also then leads on to the success that Japan are having on the field. They're sitting on top of their pool as it stands. Scotland play Russia uh, tonight in their pool, but then Japan play Scotland on Sunday, 
which will determine, well, potentially a huge outcome for the Japanese. If they win that game, that would mean Japan are likely to face South Africa in a quarterfinal. Like 2015, Japan beat South Africa in what's called the, the Brighton Miracle. They're making a Hollywood movie about it. This could be the sequel. If they go out there and at their home World Cup and they beat South Africa again in a quarterfinal, which they're actually aiming to do. They don't want to just get to the quarterfinals. They want to get there and go beyond. And at the moment, it must be said, they're not, they're not there in the position that they're in now because other teams have played poorly. Like, they've made teams play poorly because of the pressures they've put them under. They're there on their own merit and they've got a good opportunity to play, or to beat Scotland this weekend on Sunday, as I said. They've had a full week turnaround in terms of preparation. Scotland, uh, they play tonight, Wednesday night. They will only have four-day turnaround. Everything's stacked up in Japan's favour. Uh, I think it, they're pretty much probably going to be everyone's second team as well for that, uh, for that game. And that will be a huge, huge occasion in Japan, but also globally in the rugby world. Another team that impressed me were the South Africans. Uh, South Africa made 13 changes to their starting side when they faced Canada on Tuesday night. And, geez, they just look so slick. I mean, we've seen so many teams make wholesale changes before and it hasn't necessarily clicked straight away. It's taken some time. Uh, conditions have played a part in that with many drop balls and turnovers. But the South Africans, geez, they just look so crisp and clinical. Although they lost their first game to the All Blacks, it must be said, um, I think they're looking really, really good. This is ridiculous. Top try scorer so far at this World Cup. Well, there's two players at the top. Matsushima, which I like. Matsushima, he's a good winger, good finisher for Japan. He's on four, along with Montoya, the hooker for Argentina. I know there's a lot of chat about the way rugby's going at the moment with officiating and all that, but Falau Fanga almost got the top try scorer of the Super Rugby this year as a hooker for Brumbies. Now Montoya's joint-leading... Rugby World Cup, try screw it. Like, this is ridiculous. There needs to be something done about it. There needs to be an investigation. <laughs> um, but hopefully, hopefully we see some outside backs. I know, I think Dane Helipetti's the top Wallaby try scorer so far on three. Hopefully he can kick on, or if it's someone else, Marika, or maybe Jordan Patea, maybe he'll uh, get a couple against Georgia. But that's also another one that we're going to be talking about. But before we talk about Australia versus Georgia... Uh, I think it's, you've probably heard enough of my voice so far, but I'm going to introduce another voice to you, and that is Matt Giddo. Let's give him a call. Get on, Mike. Get on, Mike. What's going on? No, not too much. My, uh, my fellow podcasters bailed on me, so. Um, that's why I had to give you the call this morning to see if you can help me out of a sticky situation. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, it's kind of what we wanted anyway, wasn't it? Well, I think more than what we wanted was to get into a sticky situation, but anyway, that's... <laughs> well, I'm meaning more than balls is not there, but I like where your head's at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've kind of always been sort of positioning for this just to, to white ant Stephen Hoyles. And um, so what we did actually was... Well, I did. I booked him and his family a, a flight to Fiji, so they're, they're on their way this afternoon. That's why he can't join us, and that's why... We've been blessed with the dulcet tones of Matt Giddo this afternoon. Oh, is that how you describe me? Uh, well, <laughs> anyway, we, this is this is not necessarily an after-hours <laughs> podcast, so I'll leave it there. Uh, mate, um, 
Let's just have a quick little chat about uh, what you thought about the Wallabies' performance against uh, Uruguay. What did you, you make of that? Yeah, I thought um, obviously those games are pretty tricky. I think you know, a lot of people are – there are a lot of guys that uh, – well, a lot of people here in Canberra are talking about Jordan Patea, um, yeah. first start. Uh, I think James Slipper getting his first try. There are a lot of good signs for me throughout the game, but I think the, the best sign for me was – the camaraderie and how tight everyone got when Slips got that first try. Yeah. Um, I think it just shows the mood and and how tight they are, you know, as a group. And you need that, as you know, to be successful in the World Cup. Where's your head at in terms of the, the, the number 10 position? There's been a lot of chat about that as well. Uh, I think there's been four or three different 10s in four tests or something like that. Um, what's your take on that? Well, well for me, it's, it's, it's a tough one because obviously – Good mates with all of them. I've got a history with uh, with Bernard in the World Cup, obviously yeah. seeing what he do in big games. So that's kind of where my head is with Bernard. Christian, he's probably the Form 10 this year. Um, and I'm not sure whether he's getting rested um, because of obviously his previous health condition um, and they're just trying to keep his minutes down so that he's right to go when, when the finals come or whether they're genuinely looking at Matty Tamua as the 10 position. So, you know what it's like, Reef. Unless you're actually in that group, you don't yeah. know what they're thinking and what they're being told. You only really read what's going on in the press. Yeah, well, and that's that's one thing. Um, Michael Chekhan often, often used to say when we're in that environment, he's like, mate, don't worry about what I say out there in the press conference. It's what what's said in, inside the group. So you, you're right there. The, the message they could be getting could be completely different to the one that we're getting uh, on the outside through Michael Checker and, and everyone else's, I guess, messages throughout the, the press conferences and things. Uh, and from all the, the dialogue from within that uh, um, environment, they do seem to be a really tight-knit group. Uh, they don't feel like the, the supposed chopping and changing is, is affecting um, the, the team's confidence or, or, or cohesion or that type of thing. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Matt Tamua can do this weekend. Um, straight in the attack. I, I think his biggest thing, and you, you know this as well, Gitz, because you played a lot at 10 and at 12. For me, Matty Tamua plays, you know, like your traditional 12, um, ball-carrying 12. He likes to get over that advantage line. He, he's, he exhausts himself in quite a number of rucks as well. Uh, so what will he need to do in terms of the mentality to shift from being a normal 12 to now playing at 10 this weekend? I don't – see, the thing is, I don't think he needs to change too much. You yeah. know, you look at the, the team that he's got. You've got James O'Connor can ball play. Um, Kurtley, Kurtley's at fullback, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so he can ball play. Um, so that allows Matty Tamur to carry a little bit more and not worry about still directing the team because he's got those guys around him that can continue to control the game. And I think Pup's best uh, – when I say Pup, Matty Tamur, I think his best strength, as you said, is being direct and carrying. Yeah. He doesn't need to try and manufacture things and try and play a certain style that doesn't suit him because then again, after the game, people are going to talk about, well, he's not playing as well as he did when he come off off the bench, yeah. um, blah, blah, blah. So I think for me, Pup just needs to be physical. Uh, obviously, he's got, to, he's got to kick well, um, control the team, but, but not worry too much about the next phase. If he just worries about what's happening in front of him, that's when he's at his best and that's when he's been great. When he's come on for the Wallabies it, against Wales, he was really good. Um, obviously, chasing a game is different than, than controlling your game and closing it out. But I thought 
you know, he showed some great qualities there and played to his strengths. And you mentioned him off, off the top, Jordan Patea. First game, 19-year-old, first game in a Wallaby jersey, first game at a World Cup. Uh, played only the first half and had some good touches. Uh, are you excited to see him in the starting side this weekend? Well, I am, um, but I'm reluctant to talk him up. I yeah. think early on, I think he's a great talent. I think he's a very good player. But whenever we talk about new talent that comes in, automatically we set the ben- set a benchmark for him that's not obtainable. He, he can't play at that highest level while he's still learning his game consistently mm. every game. So we just set him up for, for failure. So I prefer to just talk about how talented he is, yeah. how great he can be. And, yeah, like everyone, I'm excited about any new talent that comes through and I hope he continues to develop and continue to get better and learn. But, you know, naturally he's got some great ability. Yeah. that's. I was saying last night on, on our coverage, I said that he's part of the answer. He's certainly not the answer. And I think at the moment, because there's been a lot of chopping and changing, people are just wanting to cling on to something and they're trying to, you know, like they're trying to make a story bigger than what it actually is. And and that's what I think is probably happening with Jordan Patara at the moment. He has got a tremendous amount of ability. He has he, he showed some really nice, classy touches against Uruguay, but that being said, it was also against Uruguay. So uh, he's got a, he's got an opportunity this weekend against another Tier 2 nation in Georgia. He needs to just go out there and hopefully we see him play more than 40 minutes and uh, we see him into the second half a little bit as well. And, and if he shows that class, I also just think that, um, I don't know, maybe moving forward, if he, if he gets a good performance in against Georgia... Then I don't mind the selection of him moving like moving ahead into the quarterfinals because, for me, it would be an attacking selection rather than picking someone that can defend someone else's threats. We then start we we pick someone in Jordan Patea that says to the opposition, "Do your best to to shut him down." And I think we probably need to do a little bit of have a bit of a shift there on that right wing, um, in a in an attacking mindset. Yeah, but do you think also, this is only just I haven't thought about it in any great lengths, but. Say you you put him on the bench. Yeah, team then can't uh, strategize a game plan for him. Sure. Almost like McKenzie when he came on, he comes on. The teams, uh, the opposition teams, could be a bit more fatigued. And you're looking at that last thirty minutes where you just bring him on. He can do what he wants. Just wreak havoc, go as crazy as he likes. Yeah, and there's probably less pressure on him that way too, especially in a quarterfinal. And I think he'll probably have more impact. Yeah. And, and you're right, he could come on then at fullback, out of centre and wing. So from a defensive point of view, from an opposition's thought process, they don't, like you say, they can't sort of manufacture different st- strategies and tactics around how they can try and exploit the young 19-year-old and they, they just have to be surprised or, or whatever when he comes on at whatever position he, he, uh, they need him to. So, yeah, not a bad, not a bad thought process there. Well, if you're chasing a game, you need points. Yeah. So you don't want safe people on the bench. Mm. I think if you're going well and you're, and you're holding the game, that you just leave the team going. Just keep, keep them going, stay in front, chase the game. But if you uh, – control the game, sorry. But if you're chasing the game, then you bring on some X Factor. They've got – there's no real uh, pressure because all you've got to go on and just play. You're chasing yeah. a game, you're losing. So what have you got to lose? Nothing. Yeah, yeah right really frees him up and probably makes us more dangerous, I'd imagine. Nice. And that's why you should be involved, Matt Giddo. Us, for that type. Us. <laughs> us. Well, okay, mate. One, one segment that we really enjoy here at the Fox Rugby Funcast is the engagement with our listeners. 
so I sent out a tweet at the beginning of the week uh, asking what people wanted to, to hear and what they wanted to have answered. And so I'll read out a couple of, t- oh, quite a number of tweets. And these are pretty short. But let's get some uh, some of your thoughts on these. If you think it's a stupid question, yeah, call, I can say that. call them out. Like, we don't need to. Or will you just say, that's stupid? No, we, like, we just don't need dickhead behavior on the fun cast, right? I'm in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, golden suits. What bar are we hitting up after the quarterfinals win? Do you know any in Oita? Oh, Oita. I, I imagine everyone would be at the same bar. It's a pretty small place. Right. I'm, uh, I'm not too sure. Okay. Just follow. Yeah, I don't know. Follow okay. You. This one. Uh, Wayne Chapman has asked. Hi, Drew. Is this? And also Matt, he didn't say no, Matt, well, but this is also to you. Uh, is the rotation slash chopping and changing of the team during rounds a smokescreen for tactics to beat England and others? Now, I must just interject before, you, in case you want to spray this guy, he was an old teacher of mine. He's a really good guy. Why was I going to spray him? Well, just in case. I just didn't want you to. I, no, I, I really liked his question. Yeah, and I, I like, so liked him as a I, teacher. You like the question. <laughs> you liked him as a teacher. Why well, think... The chopping and changing, I don't know. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, Czech always has a plan, as you know. I think all the coaches in a World Cup have a plan. Um, whether – I don't know about the chopping and changing, but you need to find consistency and a rhythm and a combination with players. So if he's got that at training and he feels confident, then he's moving him around for a reason. But um, I think last World Cup we probably had a little bit more consistency in our starting lineup, uh, and probably replace guys, you know, 50 minutes into the game to give other players a, a chance or a test um, in those big games. But, yeah, as I said, I think Czech probably has a, a reason for doing things. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, but for me, I would like to see some consistency moving forward. Okay. This one's from uh, Paul Davis. Yep, Drew, the breakdown. When I first started playing rugby as a boy, we were taught that one, one you're – I think it was meant to say once. Once you're tackled and on the ground, you had to instantly release all contact with the ball. Why now do we see the tackled player holding on and holding down or feeding the ball ages after being tackled? I think, for me, Paul, I'm not too sure of your age, but the game has changed. Laws have changed even from when I started. And I think you've still got to present the ball. You've got an opportunity to play the ball once you're on the ground. There's probably an opportunity just to uh, to try and get it back as far as possible and get it away from the... Um, the opposition fetches, as you like. Is that how you see it, gets? Paul, potentially, again, I don't know his age either, but there would have been a lot of rucking, I'd imagine, back in Paul's day. Yeah, where you back or need to drop the ball. I think now there's there's a big emphasis on once you get tackled, then you've got to work for another two or three seconds to get the cleanest ball you can for, for your halfback. So rucks are a little bit more tidy now. I mean, Paul could be talking about just last year, but I imagine he's talking a bit longer than that. Yeah, true. Okay, Paul Granger-Jones, what uh, what have referees done well and who do you think will get the final or should get the final? I watched, uh, was it South Africa, Italy, Wayne Barnes? Mm-hmm. I thought he was outstanding. Yep. Uh, I think, yeah, I even commented on Twitter, I thought he controlled the game well. He would joke with players at the right time. But he just explained things that for the viewer and for the player, it was totally clear. Even if he was right or wrong, he had a reason for it. Yeah. And the players just moved on because it was explained well. I think also throughout that game, there were a couple of – because you have 
times where you're trying to milk penalties. Oh, ref, he's doing this. And he said, no, I saw this happen. Like, just explained it. Yeah. Super clear. There was no ambiguity. It was just, I thought, really well refed. Um, yeah, so I think for me, he, uh, I thought he was really good. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, that. I echo that as well. When, when referees are giving clarity to the player, talking to the players constantly, not too much, but to the point where it's slowing the game down, but on the run... You know, when they're getting set to, to pack down the scrum, they, they'll give the information they need to give and then they're able to play and move on and also have a feel for the game. I thought, I think Nick Berry's been going really well. I thought also the referee from the South Africa versus Canada game, I think his name, surname was Pierce. Uh, I thought he was really good. So, yeah, much on the same sort of page there that on, when, they, when they're clear and they communicate. Yeah, I, I think what you said was really good. But how sharp does Nick Berry look as far as he, he looks yeah. like a body? Yeah, he um, he's always had some guns on him. Uh, when I used to back back in the day, I used to play alongside Nick, and he's um he's quite an attractive man. I think they could do that, even just if it's up for grabs, who's going to ref the final? Just get him in a pair of budgies and just ref who looks the best. Do you think Wayne Barnes would have a good rig? Well, and that's why I think he he needs to try and push for the best ref, not really that <laughs> that go flex off. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to go down to the down to the flex off. Uh, okay, does the does the coach of the Wallabies receive media training or are they encouraged to speak their mind? Some coaches appear prepared uh, and professional. Others create an impression that their emotions have the better of them, create a positive image or whinge negatively. I think the whinging isn't something that coaches go in looking to do. Yeah. Because you don't get any sympathy. Um, I think Czech at the moment is getting portrayed as a bit of a bad man. Yeah. Uh, which is not necessarily true, but um, I think with Michael Checker, he has a plan that he wants to do and a message that he always wants to get out. I think any head coach does, and then the assistants are always clued up on that. So as far as training, I know that's what happens. From a playing point of view, you'd remember beef back in yeah. last World Cup, we were told certain you know, words we couldn't use, like if... Um, or when or hope. It would, yeah. I, I hope it'll be, I trust this weekend we're going to go well. Uh, I know that if this happens, this will get the positive result. It's just always that positive reinforcement. So yeah. players are given certain um, cues to use, but as far as training, I, I mean, I never got any. No, no, no neither did I. Okay, next one. Uh, this is from Walla Beast. Uh, does Jack Goodhue have the best sports mullet in rugby? This, now, this is one of three gets. You may not know them, but there's a Uruguayan hooker, yeah. German yes, Kessler. Yeah, he's got he's got quite the impressive mullet. Andrew Quatron is also a hooker from Canada, but he lets himself down a little bit because you only get a peek of that at, in the warm up because he then puts a headgear on for the game. Uh, also, I know. I mean, why why would you cut yourself a filthy mullet and then then tame it by putting a headgear on during the game. It's almost, yeah, it, it's half committing really, isn't it? Yeah, and J- Jack Goodhue. So who would you say is the best out of the three of those guys? The uh, Uruguayan player, has he got a moustache as well? Yeah, he has got a moustache, yeah. I mean, that adds huge points for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're going we're gonna to give the award to German Kessler. Yeah. Okay, but they, the boys have still got a few weeks to grow it out, so maybe, maybe Sun will grow a length. In the next couple of inches, wouldn't that be yeah. nice? Grow a couple of, couple of inches oh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, this one's from at Neb underscore Wise. 
Are our outside backs slow or do they just not get the ball? Any sub-1100 metre runners or sub-5.3 for 40 metre? I would think all of our outside backs are sub-5.3 for 40. Yeah, I mean, the initial question made no sense. Are they fast or they just don't get the ball? Yeah. Work that out. Yeah. Uh, that's, um, that, I think that goes in the flog tweet category, does it? Yeah. I'm not calling him a flog, but that's a flog no, tweet. No, flog tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Jane Miles, having seen Japan play in Rugby World Cup and the level of support they've got to do, uh, they've got, do you think they were wrong to m- remove from the Super Rugby in 2021 Western Force all over again? Let me guess that's from a Perth person, is it? I think so. Yeah. Sea um, of Blue, which I still love. Um, Look, I think there's there's more to it than we know. Yeah. As far as there's, there's something to do with, who knows, money, backing. Yeah, I, I don't think they're backed actually by the Japanese Rugby Union. So um, it's it's a separate entity and, and because they don't have that backing, it makes it hard for them financially to to, to match and rival then or I guess fulfil their needs for Sanzar. And so I think it is something that it's not just a service level decision in terms of their competitiveness. No, I think there's a lot that went into it. And also with the force, there was a lot that went into it as well. It's not just they wake up and they think, oh, gee, I don't like this team. We're not going to pick them. Yeah. So whoever's made the decision, they put a lot of research into it. I don't know why they did it, um, but it might actually end up helping the, the Japanese local league. Yeah, right. Okay, this one's from uh, Rachel at Ra underscore Pete. Uh, what are the traditions that take place in the team when the Wallabies are on tour? Are the fines for not sticking? Are there fines for not sticking to these traditions? Um, one that I liked when I came back. Well, one that I've always liked, and I think it's the the current players are the custodians of all these traditions, and it's their obligation to make sure that they maintain them and also then pass them on to uh, future teams and future players. And I also think sometimes it's the manager's role, but also if they're not passed on from manager to manager, then the new one's obviously not to know. But a big one for me, and is, and a lot of people may not know this, but over the crest of the Wallabies jersey um, where the coat of arms are, there's a rugby ball on a replica jersey that you buy at Rebel Sports or any other of the outlets or online at rugbyau.com.au. Um, but there is, there is a, a stitched rugby ball that says Wallaby on, on top of the shield of the coat of arms. Now, that's, that's from, that indicates it's a jersey that you've bought. Whereas when you look at the players that play during the, the anthems, you'll be able to see it close up. On their coat of arms, there's no ball stitched over it. So there's a slight difference in uh, jerseys that you've bought and also jerseys that you've earned. And for me, that was always a big thing, maintaining that you don't give out those ones without that rugby ball over it. To um, I know there was a time during the 2015 World Cup where we were thanking the bus driver or the owner of the gym that we're working out with with a signed jersey and it was, a, it was an actual, it's a match day player's jersey. And I'm all for thanking people for the jersey, but give them the replica one. Like those yeah. are the things that I think for me, as soon as you start relaxing on those, those things that were passed on from us, from previous uh, teams and generations of Wallabies, then you start to slip on other, in other areas and, and, and standards. So for me, that was always a big one. And I, uh, I often, when the five jerseys would make their way to the back of the bus where I was sitting, I'd just call out to all the boys, don't sign these. This is bullshit. These, are, these have to be earned. You can't just be given this because you drove a bus around that we've paid you to do all week. Um, I still think you deserve a jersey, but just not a, uh, you know, a, um, a match jersey. Yeah, I can vouch for that. Our manager used to 
sweat as he was handing him out the jumper to arrive to us wet because he was handing him to Drew knowing that he's going to cop a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, I agree. You know, there's certain things that you can't relax on and that's one of them. That's something that's earned. You can't buy it. Otherwise, it loses its significance, you know. Like, yeah. well, well, most people probably wouldn't have even known about that small little difference. To the players, it's pretty significant. And if you start to relax on those traditions, then... I don't know. It, it kind of it loses its history and it loses its its feel yeah. uh, and everything that's attached to it. So yeah, that'd be yeah. I mean, Paddy Mullahan was the, the the manager at the time, and he still is now, and he's he's a great man, Paddy Mullahan. But I just sometimes I think perhaps he just wasn't told those things when the handover for his role. I mean, I'm sure he would have been told about how to get the boys from A to B on tour and all the rest of it. But yeah. <laughs> well, he was still telling us how, he was still talking about the play the ball. He was still stuck in league. I think yeah. Paddy Mullahan. So yeah, he, he, he learned pretty quick. Next one. Uh, this is from a friend of ours of the of the podcast. It's Potato Fritzel. He said, "Lads, good to be back with the favourite two fun casters. Which team so far has had the best pass into their own teammates' head? <laughs> there are a few beauties already at this Rugby World Cup. Yeah, Manasa, Fiji. Yeah, straight up." Yeah, I think that for me is, well, his reaction afterwards, like he even loved himself on the big screen. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't, I mean, so Manasa Solo is a prop for Fiji. He's a former teammate of myself and Matt from Toulon as well. And the ball, he was running, I think he was facing the wrong way. He was facing his own uh, try no, no. line. He was, facing, he was facing up, but they were inside the 22. And he was facing where if the 10 was behind him, he would have caught it and kicked in that direction ahead yeah, of him. Right. But he, Looking at that space, <laughs> and halfbacks then just drilled him with it. It was out of a cannon. It was a nice pass. Yeah, but knowing Manasa and how tough his head is, I think the ball would have come off probably. <laughs> compared to him. Yeah, no, I I did enjoy when he was getting ready to to pack the scrum. He was almost he didn't want to say anything, but he was indicating to his teammates. He's like, oh. I'm on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, I made it. Yeah. Well, he's not for a try, so we may as well do that. Yeah. I'm happy with a- – this one's from uh, Calvin Riley. I'm happy with AAC's performance in the Rugby World Cup so far, but why doesn't Two Dads smile in team photos? Well, yeah, I think everyone knows that he rates himself yeah. Koopy. Yeah. And he thinks of himself as a bit of a sort, which he's not. He looks like a granddad with all those kids around him. So <laughs> he needs to just relax with it and go with it. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's he because could, he hasn't hasn't got his dentures in. Yeah, it could be that. Or if he smiles, they'll pop out. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think he just needs to relax and go with it because he doesn't look like a good sort. He looks like a granddad and he just needs to make fun of himself because he doesn't look good. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, we've got another one. Mike Marnwick, Mike underscore Marno. Speculation aside, who do you guys think genuinely will win the entire thing? Now, I just need to stop there for a second. Speculation, speculation aside, but then you ask us to speculate who's going to win. <laughs> Hang I think on. that's a flog tweet. Is it? Yeah. Are we, <laughs> are we putting that in the flog, flog tweet folder? Yeah. We'll okay. put it in the flog tweet, but I'm still going to speculate. Okay. I think that, <laughs> Australia aside, I like uh, I like the way South Africa are going. Yeah, same. Round, round loss. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, tend to agree on that one. I think New Zealand would be tough, but South Africa, for me, the whole squad looks like they're, they're firing. So they were, they're the ones that have impressed the two of us. Um, okay, Ben, at blog1990, is it possible for World Rugby to backtrack on high contact crackdown? If not, the spectacle is paying a high cost for minimal improvement in player safety. 
Integrity of the contest is under major threat. 15 on 15, going at it for 80 seems unlikely. There's no way they can backtrack. Well, they can't because they've, they've set a precedence and they've yeah. made some pretty harsh calls already in the World Cup. So teams just need to adapt somehow. I mean, some of the calls are absolutely baffling, but um, maybe we're like that bloke with the ruck where he used to just drop the ball and place it, Paul. Yeah. Uh, maybe we're out of touch because we haven't played um, – professionally for like internationally for a while so yeah for me some of these calls are just baffling but teams just need to adjust yeah, and they need to adapt and adapt some some other way yeah. okay we got one from um michael miller he's a he's a regular tweeter of the of the fun cast at sniff forever mm. how many games before each of you scored your first wallabies try and how many did you each score oh are you sure you didn't team off on this one <laughs> um no i didn't but Mine was on debut and I scored 34. Well done. Mm. You're the man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't score as many. I actually don't know how many I scored. I do. Uh, I know how many you scored. Okay. How many did I score? You got 30. Uh, that's not bad. Yeah, it's all right. On. Um, my first try was in a World Cup against Uruguay, could have been. Oh. In 2003, yeah. Playing halfback. George Gregan got injured, which never happens. Um, Chris Whitaker got given a rest, even though he'd sat behind George for 40 years. Yeah. Didn't get the, game. the one game he's not there, Greece gets injured, and I, I play 40 minutes. But Yeah, well, that's a good story, Matt, but you actually got your first try against Romania. That's who it was, Romania, yellow jersey. <laughs> but all the rest of the details, correct, is it? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know... Romania and Uruguay, um, they live, they're quite close, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, mate. I've got no idea. I didn't listen to, in geography at school. M- Mr. Wayne Chapman from earlier wasn't my geography teacher, so I didn't listen. Okay, I've got one from here from uh, Zoop, Zeus Philippides. Given there's still so much uncertainty about the Wallabies' backline selection, 10, 12, 13 in brackets, I question whether this should have been sorted out earlier. Are you the best combo chosen before the Rugby World Cup, not four or five games in? Nice positive, nice positive tone on this one, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I just think I mean, he's yeah. asking for yeah. I mean, give us a solution. Who does he think's the best that he potentially thinks um, should be starting? Yeah. It's hard. James O'Connor came back late. He was given his opportunity during the rugby championship. Um, I think they are pretty settled on their on their team. I, I think My, definitely twelve and thirteen settled. It's yeah. really just a 10. And I also think it's it's a matter of, you know, players just not really standing up and saying, I want this position and this is mine and, and justifying it through consistent performances as well. So I don't think it's all just a selection issue. It's also players not going out there and, and cementing that position and, and really owning it. And um, But like you said, and we've said a number of times already, that there's definitely a thought process going on behind the scenes with Michael Checker and the other selectors and... Um, they, they would know in their minds what, what they want to do. Yeah, I agree. Okay, go on here from Mungbean. Who is the best winger at this World Cup? A lot of talk about Chelsea Colby. I think yeah. he's going. I think it'd be between Chelsea Colby and uh, Semi Redradra. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's also going well. You wouldn't mind uh, either of those two on the, on the flanks? Well, I know who I want. Yeah, he's I sitting know. in the studio. Yeah, that's true. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this one here gets Oz Japan fan. Top five tips for supporters to run their own successful Rugby World Cup kangaroo court. 
and what are your favourite kangaroo court memories? This guy's essentially asked us six questions, like six answers. Yeah. Like he's a greedy, so, he's a greedy uh, bastard. Yeah. Well, how to, how to run a good kangaroo court is you need a tough judge yeah. that um, he's got his rules, he lays them out and – He's got the he, respect and he, he can hold respect. court. Yeah. Yeah, got to hold court. You need a room. Uh, it's got to be locked down where no one can see what's going in and you need a good 2IC and a very good – the youngest man in the squad to pour the whatever drinks could be water, yeah. potentially, but someone that's pouring the the, uh, the drinks. Yeah, that, I think the the three key uh, things that you need for a successful court session. You also need a real idiot too that yeah. you can bag the whole time. Yeah, remember a couple of hours coaches were involved. That was loose. Yeah, they, they were real idiots, though, weren't they? Yeah, they they were the village idiots in those ones. Yeah. Anyway, we won't talk Paulsy about it. was actually one of those idiots we used to pick on. Sorry? Halsey, he was one of those yeah, idiots. Yeah, because he just didn't like he didn't like drinking. We didn't like fun. He still doesn't. Yeah, that's true. And that's why he's not on the fun cast today, because he doesn't want fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this one. Brycey09. On a scale of chilly to freezing, how cold is Drew's take on Tui Sober for leading try scorer? <laughs> well, I'm not Drew. I know. But you would have thought he was you would have been pretty confident for Josh to score a couple of tries in this World Cup. Oh, mate, icy. Very icy. Yeah. Um, I think he scored yeah, one. He scored, he scored, scored one. Against, uh, yeah, I saw him score against um, Georgia. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not over yet. He could cause some real havoc against uh, Wales. So. Yeah, well, we're hoping he does. because, And also, I, I spoke about this before I gave you a Corgitz. At the moment, there are two players leading the top try scorer of this Rugby World Cup. Matsushima, the winger from Japan. Yep. And Montoya, the hooker from Argentina. Yeah, he got a hat trick. Yeah. Like, it, it can't yeah. be a hooker. No, I, I don't think. Um, well, I don't think they're going to be playing in the finals. So, does it cut off before then? No, it goes what? all the way through. Yeah. So, he's dead in the water, I'd say. Matsushima will get another try yeah. um, at some point. Um, and you wouldn't be surprised if. Two sober goes out and scores five against Wales. Like it could happen. Yeah, yeah. Go Josh. Yeah. Okay. Last last one gets, and it happens to be yep. about a friend of the show, a friend of ours actually. Will this is from Michael at M Murray fourteen? Will Chilla Chava come away with the man of the match this weekend? I'd say so. The uh, the bloke when I first turned up to Toulon, obviously we played together. He looks about 45 years old mm. and 18. I think he was one of our academy players. He um, He's a good man. I've actually still got his playing card. So in the change rooms, you used to get your sticker put up with your face to know where to go and collect your jersey and whatnot. Yeah. He, he was signed. I just found it the other day. <laughs> so. Do you remember when I first turned up and he wouldn't speak to me because I was too fat? Yeah, well, I think there was a lot of players there that wouldn't talk to you. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But for yeah, Chilla Chava. That's that's saying that Chilla Chava is going to have the most impactful game against the Wallabies this weekend. Well, I don't think he will because he's been playing about eighteen minutes a game. So <laughs> needs to be pretty impressive. What he's been doing is some great stuff off the field, though. That scare cam he did. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah, that's what he is. He's a good man. He's a great scrummager. He loves the scrum, loves the squat, yeah. but hates uh, the train. Hasn't been doesn't like fitness, no. But he hasn't made the minutes uh, to yeah. get man the 
I did text him through the week and I said, Levan, tell me who Mamuka Godzi has got his target on in this Australian pack. I said, who does he want to kill? And he said, oh, yes, Mamuka, very angry this week. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't, he wouldn't go as far as telling me a name, but he said that Mamuk is very angry. Yeah, well, let's just make someone up so that they worry about it. Okay. Who? You? Oh, no, not me. I think um, he likes to kill. Who would be our real enforcer at the moment? Yeah, well, that's it. He, he, he really chased after Alan jones when he played against Wales. So, I'd say he'll try and snap Poey in half at some point. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you'll want to go after him. Otherwise, yeah, it could be Arnold or, or, or Rodder, just one of the t- big tall timbers in, in the second row. Anyway, everyone's got to look up for him. Yeah. You've got to be on notice. <laughs> all right. Well, that's um, that's all we need time for, uh, of yours, Giddy. Yeah, no worries. Thanks very much for taking your time out and joining the fun cast. And soon enough, we'll have you in the studio just actually like an official co-host. And we'll... Um, in my suit. Yeah, in your suit. We'll get rid of uh, Halsey forever, once and for all. Wouldn't that be good? Oh, that's great. I can't wait. Yeah. All right. Thanks, all right, thanks, thanks mate. I'll speak to you soon. Please. Okay, so that's it. That's all we have for this week's podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. Now, look, I have a bit of a, a confession to make, more of an admission. I think some of these teams at this World Cup have probably been guilty of maybe having one eye on the next week, certainly now that next week is the quarterfinals. And I think it's fair to say that the Fox Rugby World Cup podcast is probably over overlooked this week. We haven't given it the respect it deserved and we've had our eye on the quarterfinals week. So I apologise for that. I'm sorry that you just had to sit through all of that. (laughs) But but I appreciate the fact that you did. And I encourage you to tune back in next week because we put a lot of thought and effort into the next week and it's going to be another big pod. And what we hope is the lead up to Australia versus England in a quarterfinal. So tune in, tell your friends, tell people that aren't your friends. Um, just tell people to tune in to the Fox Rugby World Cup podcast and thanks for wasting the last hour or so listening to myself and a little bit of guests.